Welcome, I'm Kasada Bowman. Today, my guest is Eugene Nayundi Mangrere, aka the Rum Bishop. Eugene joins us from Kenya, where he has an organic farm and promotes the farm to glass craft cocktail movement, specifically raising awareness of rum that is produced in Africa. So I'll start by asking Eugene, have you eaten yet? Yes, I have eaten. I was actually not technically eating, I was drinking something. Um, so because of the whole wellness uh, platform, I've been having a Bacchus Queen tonic with uh, lemon balm and kiwi fruit from the farm. So just think about it as a simple drink that is healthy and has lots of quinine, has lots of uh, ginger, lemon, kiwi, and lemon balm. Something refreshing sounds, for sir. Sounds delicious. Yes, it is delicious. And do you grow the lemon balm at your farm? Yes, the lemon balm grows at the, at the farm. Perfect. Well, I think it's perfect. You mentioned, you know, staying healthy. We're, we'll talk about COVID. We'll jump right in. So here in the U.S., COVID cases are on the rise. Kenya, no different. Around the world, no different. Um, I was doing a little reading on Kenya. I read that the rise in cases, uh, Kenya's government has banned public gatherings moved up the nightly curfew to 10 p.m. and extended the curfew until January. Uh, Eugene, I just want to hear how this is affecting restaurants and bars. Are they still open? Are many chefs and bartenders out of work? So looking at the whole COVID situation, based out of what the president just, the president just spoke, we are looking at uh, 60 to 70% of a major loss in job uh, sustainability in the industry, which means most people have either left the industry completely or have gone into just staying either with their parents or whatever they are doing. Because it's getting harder as the days go by because not so much is being is happening, you know, and that's the saddest part. Wow. I, and we're going through the same thing here. In fact, here in New York, yesterday, they made it so that at 10 p.m. we have the same curfew. Every restaurant we've got to close at 10 p.m. no matter what. Uh, in San Francisco, they've closed this week all indoor dining. Um, so we're all going through it. Um, as far as bars, here in New York, bars are still closed unless food is served there. And you have to serve food with any drink order. And that's the case in restaurants, too. Many restaurants yes. have permanently closed here. Now, we Americans, we complain about the lack of funding from the government to help during this crisis. But I'd like to compare our situation to Kenya. So when restaurants and bars are forced to close to COVID in Kenya, do chefs and servers and bartenders receive money from the government? So if I look at the tourism industry, which is predominantly the second biggest export from Kenya, um, the government hasn't really focused on, in terms of funding for the people within the industry. And also the fact that the organizations around the employment of people in the industry is not as active as um, it's supposed to be. So it has taken a lapse. So now we are having challenges in terms of how do we help these people. But what I can say from a point of brands that I've seen is that brands did try to actually go out there and just um, give like a small stipend of shopping for, you know, the different people in the industry. But then that is also not enough, you know. 
that is not enough to say that we need because I feel like we still need to do more. So there's no such thing as an unemployment. They don't receive weekly money. If you're out of work, you're not receiving money. There, there's nothing. Just as we are speaking right now, there's um. So the government actually say that if you get corona, which is the, the disease of the season, um, you cannot have your public health, which is the NHIF, take care of um your health. You have to pay it from your pocket. Now, which means if you now are infected, you need to look for money to be able to go to hospital, which already is lacking in an economy that is crumbling down. So do you have universal health care? Do you have free health care? So the government actually has the, the free health care, but now with the corona um, cases rising, they have said that if you get corona, you're not going to get the healthcare as it's supposed to be because they did not expect it. They did not plan for it. So you have to find money to actually take care of your of the issue because that is not something that planned for. So if I'm a chef, I, I own a restaurant here in New York. Yeah. So... When we, at the beginning last spring, we had to close and our staff could go on unemployment and the government gave an extra amount of money. So most people were making $1,100 a week on unemployment. It's a, it's a great amount. It's a sustainable, you can live. Um, and what you're saying in Kenya if I was in that position and I had to close my restaurant due to COVID, my staff would not receive money. They wouldn't. I mean, even the the fact that most people who own restaurants are doing a rotation of the employees. So if they were having like 25, some have been let go and the ones that have been kept are kept on a rotation basis or they're given more responsibility than it was before. So if, for example, you are a server, now you're a server and a bartender, or if you are in the accounts department, now you're in the accounts and in the store, just to keep uh, the economies of scale still as profitable to the owner as possible. And that's what we do. We've, we've lost, uh, you know, we've, we've downsized our staff since we opened last June. So now we all do everything. Yes. You know, I bartend, I serve, I do everything along with my staff, but I can't imagine not having that security of maybe receiving just a few hundred dollars if I was, you know, let go from my job. That must be hard. It is hard. I mean, you will have expected that the government will have had a package considering that we are the biggest uh, tourism destination, but uh, it seems now like everyone for themselves and good for us all, you know. Is anyone concerned about restaurants coming back? Have any restaurants closed? Yeah, there, 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 are, there are some restaurants which have closed. Uh, there was recently a campaign on uh, just several restaurants in uh, Kenya, and that is based on uh, the major restaurants in the popular city of Nairobi, trying to actually ask the government to, to do more. But then they the government has been very slow on, on actually what the solution might be. And that is a bit worrying because it's not just the, the restaurants themselves, but the people within the industry, what happens to them after. So, and that just brings me to the point whereby 
with all that happening, I essentially started out the firm as as a way of trying to elevate from the need of going back into the industry as an employee or an you know meaning that I can get to grow food for people and I can also get to work on projects that I had put on hold. So is this right that you, what were you doing before the farm? You were in the industry? I was in the industry as a, as a consultant and at least I was able to, you know, like do events and, and uh, all this, but now there are no more events. There's no more trainings that are essentially happening the way they're supposed to be happening. So it's more or less uh, people come to the farm, one or two or five people, depending on the number. And we just get to have them look at the different botanicals that are growing, get to take them through how to work them in cocktails or work them in food, because that is essentially important. Considering also my experience is that I typically did not see myself getting into this industry, number one. I was studying journalism and then I realized I like to critique food, but then which led to me being a chef. Then it led me in the drink space. And now I'm at a place whereby I just would like to talk more about wellness, to focus more on people understanding flavors and pairings, because that is important. Because even if we don't have the drinks as we would like them, we can still have healthy, low ABV or mocktails, as they call it, you know. Yes. So COVID almost forced you to, in a good way, go further into the farm and provide w- that to people. It, it, it wasn't something that typically I was looking at. So because okay, when the first time when COVID was announced, you know, everyone was in a panic mode. And I remember that time, there was so much free courses uh, that were being offered online. So I tried to to keep my mind busy. I got into this whole thing where I was studying uh, routinely like for 36 hours, you know, and then I was blackout and sleep. And then I realized after some point it was getting tiring. Then I decided to do a couple of jump jumping interviews with different personnel personalities in the industry just to get their feel. And then later on, the firm came as a result of, after having done all this, like I just need to find, because I have a lot of energy and I have, you know, the, the space was there. Why don't I just start planting stuff? You know, like it won't, it can't really be bad, right? So I started, you know, like, so slowly I started doing um, all this growing of just different botanicals as a way to get rid of the depression I was going through. Like I was frustrated that people are not talking and people are not thinking about long-term sustainable solutions. So when you now look at farming as farming, it's not just providing food, it's also creating social wealth for people. It's also conserving the environment and it's making sure that at least the future generation has something that they can use and, and, and appreciate because that is essentially very important. I love it. You're so right on so many levels. And I, I like that this time gave you th- this unique approach. Like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going through my, this is depressing. This is a mess. This is everything, but also let me go. Let me capitalize on this. So, and, and you, you gotta realize that, you know, like just from farming, the farming, it, in terms of even how you approach it, it's not like an immediate impact of uh, monetary value. It's something that takes time. 
So even with the losses and the growing, you, you kind of also understand that for you to become the best, you have to go through this fire. And so having gone through this baptism fire of even going back and doing manual digging on the land and just, it was a very interesting experience because the first few days it was slightly harder, but now as days go by, it's getting easier because once a plant bug catches you, you want to grow more. So I'm now realizing essentially, I just want to grow whatever it is, whatever botanical. So if anyone can have seeds and they don't have space, I would be willing and be glad to just grow it because I know for a fact that it's not just about you being what you eat. It's also about if we are to connect people to something that's healthy, then people need to understand farm to glass or farm to table is as practical as possible, you know, because it means you know where your food comes from. It means you know what you're using to plant. So something as simple as even what manure or what fertilizer you're using or what pesticide you're using or just how are you watching the growth rate? Are you being able to spot those small things? And then now when you think about it from now, the restaurant perspective, then you think about things like flavor pairings, something as simple as strawberry and oregano or kiwi and ginger and lemon thyme as a beautiful pairing. You know, those small nuggets has helped me understand. For me, I was always frustrated with the fact that people thought food is food and food is not food. You know, there are people who eat to live and there are people who live to eat. So the, the choice is left to you. Do you want to eat to live or live to eat? So, Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, well, let's touch on the bar perspective for a second. Uh, you know, for me, it's here in New York, at least all I can speak of is right now, it's hard to see small independently owned bars coming back after such a long closure. So I'm wondering if bars as we knew them previously will change. Will all bars perhaps sell some sort of food in the future? I feel that restaurants are different. Usually most bars are smaller than restaurants. And until there's a vaccine, generally speaking, indoor bars aren't a COVID-friendly concept. So, Eugene, how do you see the future of bars and restaurants in Kenya? So one I one thing I've noticed is that people want now to know where their food is coming from, that are the botanicals. And so most people are now starting to get into a space of urban gardening for their restaurant. So if they can be able to grow essentially these different things, then it's easier for them when they're making, developing their cocktail scene or their food space scene. And so with my help, they're able to understand all these things and why they need to be patient. Because, you know, sometimes when you get, uh, for example, it can be something simple as oregano or marjoram, you'll expect that you can get it across the season. But now they're, they're now learning you cannot get all these things in this particular season. So as you write your menu, think about what the farmers are going through. Think about how long it takes to grow these things. So more emphasis is now being placed to towards the concept of farm to glass or farm to table, whereby you now have to start buying local. You need to start looking at what makes your local scene interesting, you know? Yeah. And more affordable, which means you now have to have a direct relationship with uh, the farmers. You cannot go into a middleman and ask them to, you know, find for you this particular thing. So as I push, I'm also trying to show people that, you know what, I'm not the only one who's doing this thing. Like there's so many people out there who are in the farming space and 
all you gotta do is ask. If you want, for example, oregano, all you gotta do is ask. I mean, it doesn't cost you to ask. If you're looking for, for example, artisan butter or specialty coffee, we'll help you get there, you know, something that's organic, something that you can actually know where it comes from, such that when you now put the prices of your menu, people know it's not just supporting the local farmers or the local market. It's actually buying from people who understand where my mind is going, you know. Yes. Well, let's stay with farming. At the beginning of COVID last spring, here in the U.S., farms were doing really well. One of the reasons is that people didn't want to enter grocery stores. They wanted to know where their food was coming from. They wanted the least amount of people touching their food. So many small local farms here were doing really well. They were selling out of all their produce and milk and meat. That changed as the months went on and people are now more comfortable wearing masks and entering grocery stores. But generally speaking, how are farms doing in Kenya? How is your farm? Do you usually sell to restaurants and bars or at markets? How has COVID affected farms in Kenya? I mean, so... For the large scale, now this is where it's actually very interesting. For the large scale farmers, they're making quite a huge amount of losses because they're not selling the way they are supposed to sell. You know, like if you are selling probably like a, a 10 kilos of onions, now you have a market that is saturated with the product, but people don't have the capital. So now you look at it from the other perspective of a small scale farmer. If you're a small scale farmer and you're focusing on specialty crops, such as botanicals, then it gets interesting because then you're the only one who's in that space of offering something that most people don't have. So when I started out the project for me, I wanted not to just offer the market what they already have, but I also wanted to offer something that they don't have, number one. And two, diversity means um, then you also have income across the year calendar year without having to stress out and also it means that also for your land it's changing the nutrition value of its land is changing which means you can get to grow different things across the entire one year very interesting so bigger farmers they're still following what they were doing for the last five years and they're taking a loss where smaller farmers are doing better yeah, they are doing better because then they are able to focus on just relatively the community that's around them. So, for example, just to give you an example, I, I was growing bak choy, which is a, like typically Chinese spinach, and it, it sold out within the community. So every week I got into this habit whereby they will come, they will buy, and then also like give off you know, some to charity because then again, it was too much. Because then again, if you grow veggies, sometimes it becomes too much. So, and you need to find a way to just let them go. For me, that was the best way to do it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, an- another industry that's doing well around the world and here in the U.S., uh, alcohol. So it's been doing really well during covid Uh, People have been buying, selling, drinking lots of liquor since the start of COVID, and it hasn't ended. Have you noticed that liquor sales are up in Kenya? And if so, has this affected your business positively? Uh, It has been up, but then the the, the mere fact is the restaurants are not selling. 
right? They're not selling as much. So people are buying it from stores. But then that is affecting business for me. I, I will have to say I have lost so much because I depended mostly on the experience part of the site of hospitality whereby, you know, you create an event where people come and experience a certain exposure. But now with that being not the case, it's getting harder. And where do you see it? When do you see that business coming back and recovering? I mean, honestly, I, I can't tell you that I have like a f- date in mind. And I guess now that's why for me, it has now, I've had to stretch my imagination in terms of what I can be able to do. So number one, I can now train people on the botanicals and how to farm them or how to grow them. Number two, I can train people on uh, flavor pairings. Number three, I can train them on how to do stuff like how to make an oxymel, how to make a herbal infused vinegar, oils, bitters, and stuff like that. Because then again, with time on my hands, I get, I've been experimenting a lot on all these things. So typically, like even when you come and see me at the farm, I will introduce you to like craft soda, which is just simple as sparkling water and honey that's infused with all these botanicals, with lemon juice, you know, and this is something that gets people talking and also getting them in the right mood or space of wellness and mindfulness. And go, kind of going along with that, tourism is down around the world. Um, over the summer and fall here in New York, people were still traveling that's part of the reason that our restaurant could still do okay for a pandemic. Yeah. They'll drive around instead. Not everyone feels safe flying, but those road trips did help keep the economy going. Is the lack of tourism affecting Kenya in any way? Major, major. I mean, we, as I said, Kenya has this uh, relationship with Britain, America, Canada, France, and half of Europe, you know, when you look at it from a tourism perspective, without so much planes coming into the country, that means we don't get our traditional tourists, right? Who are like our traditional friends. And and the local tourism, on the other hand, they tried to open it up a couple of weeks ago and then they shut it down. Now it's seeming like it's getting harder and harder and just... It's, it's 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 a strange space i have to say like right it it is strange because not in even here locals don't always have the money to travel during a pandemic because everyone is affected a lot of people have lost their jobs so is it the same thing in kenya where not everyone can drive and take vacations and keep that economy going no, I mean, most people have to like save an entire year to just go on vacation, you know, like they have this 52 week plan and with Corona happening, you can imagine just the 52 week plan just went down the drain because months got tougher, things got harder. Most people went back into the countryside. You had to find an alternative source of income, or whatever the case might be, or a new job or multitask. So Thank God I was, I, I mean, I've always been a very handy person. So whether it's fixing a tie, I mean, I, I just get the job done. Like I just hustle down to the, the last coin because that's life. You got to hustle. Eugene, for people listening, what's the one thing that you think people should know about Kenya? 
And also one thing they should know about what you are trying to accomplish in the farm to glass cocktail world in Africa. I mean, number one, what people need to know about Kenya is that Kenya is one of the most amazing, beautiful destinations. Like I have to say five things that you just need to know about Kenya. One, we have a you know, national park in the city, 15 minutes away from the airport. That's one. Kenya has the best coffee, best tea, best flowers. The people are warm. The people are friendly. They love visitors. We enjoy good company and good music. So that's the thing. Um, what they need to know about the farm, what I'm really, really trying to do is just get people to think about wellness and mindfulness from a very simple back-to-basics um, concept whereby everyone has to eat, right? So if you're going to eat, eat well. Perfect. And that, yeah. Um, you have me excited to go to Kenya. Uh, coffee is a big thing for me at my restaurant. Well, everything. We take pride in everything we do. But Kenya, in, in Kenya, you actually grow coffee yeah. beans. Yeah, we, we grow. Like, I, I have to say that Kenya has the best coffee. Perfect. I mean, I'm very excited to to visit myself. Yeah. So, Eugene, thank you so much for educating us about Kenya and all that you are doing there. I like to end each podcast asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners. So, this the hope is to positively influence the listeners' lives. So this could be something that we just discussed, a pro tip, general life advice that you live by, your favorite TV show, a book we should know about, a place we should visit, a food we should eat, anything that you can think of that would make a positive difference in the listeners' lives. Um, one, I think people should visit Kenya or any African country precisely because we appreciate the simple things once again. And to, to always remember that you're what you eat. Those are excellent words to live by. Well, thank you for listening. And if you haven't already subscribe to have you eaten yet, wherever you get your podcasts, Eugene, how can people follow you? So people can follow me on Bishop Botany Farm uh, where I get to talk to guys about, you know, everything that we've spoken about. And they get to see and learn and see the differences because just as we close, I, I you know the, one of the key things that I notice is that people talk about stuff theory, but then when you meet them and they see stuff practically, it changes their concept. So that's their thing. So like if we're talking about fresh bay leaf, if someone has never seen a bay leaf tree, they can actually get to see how, the bailiff is, you experience it from the phone. Perfect. And so should they follow you on Instagram or is there a website? What's the best way? So the best way is Bishop Botany Farm on IG, but we are still working on our website. Perfect. Yes. And we will link to you as well. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Eugene. You're welcome. Thank you so much.